Billy Idol, you know, his music is quite consistent. I like it. Well, welcome, everyone. I'm sorry for the delay. I have been very busy uh, defending my standing when I shouldn't because the uh, Secretary of State's office, well, actually the Board of Elections and the County Board of Elections certified me to be on a ballot, but the GOP didn't want me there. So it was one of the most uh, CCP-like things that I have ever been through. But that's a time for another discussion. And this is why today's show is going to be quite concise as I have to get cracking on some work in because I've got a lot to do and very little time to do it. But in the meantime, I thought it was very important that we talk about perjury and we poke a little fun at the Pillsbury Doughboy who happens to be in that video of 1984. It's important to understand what perjury actually means. Perjury means that you go on the record and say things that are false. And so today we're going to deconstruct an affidavit and point out actual perjury. Uh, Not because there's any concern of it even uh, remotely putting a dent into anything. But perjury is important to be pointed out. So we're going to walk through that. But also we're going to talk about this movie that Robert Davi, freaking love him, is putting together, My Son Hunter. For anybody that may be in contact with him, I'm really hoping that he inserted the portion of me and the call girls or, well, you know, some of them were crack hookers. Um, But we'll talk about that, too. We're going to stick to what needs to be said because I really have to pop off. I've got a lot of work to do. And I sincerely apologize for not having the bandwidth um, to get into some more stuff. But of course, any moment that I have to demonstrate Pillsbury Doughboy. I must. Hey, I am Brian Seltzer. I am live in New York. And this is Still Reliable Sources. All right, here we go. One of the biggest (laughs) news of the week is right here. It's the end of this show. CNN has canceled Reliable Sources. Yes, the longest running program on the network. NPR's David Folkenflik broke the news on Thursday. And I have a lot of thoughts about it, but I'm going to save those for later this hour. As most of you know, CNN has a new owner. Warner Brothers Discovery is making big changes across the company. And there's going to be more change all across the company, including here at CNN. And I'm sad that I won't be here to cover it. But since this is our final episode, we're going to do something a little bit differently today. This entire hour, it's a special hour, and it's about change. It's about change all across the media world. What's changing? What might change? And what must never change about the accountability function of journalism. You know, I love this show, this small but mighty show punched above its weight for so many years. Even a former president commented on the cancellation. Reliable Sources has been a one of a kind show and a popular show. This is one of CNN's highest rated weekend shows. So I wanna say thank you to all of you watching around the world. I was lucky to be a part of it for nine years, but it began 30 years ago, right after the Gulf War. So here's what the iconic former CNN CEO, Tom Johnson, said on Facebook when he heard the show was canceled. He said about the show's origins, it was founded by Ted Turner and leaders of CNN who felt very deeply that media organizations have a responsibility to to report report and to evaluate the journalism profession itself. 
I wonder if any emails leaked from him being told what to say from the CIA and or uh, the 44th administration. That would be quite interesting if found out that he was actually being fed information. But see, this allows me, damn it, and I didn't want to do this. This allows me to segue into how I feel about the current media environment, both left and right. They're all being fed points. They're all being told what to do and their interests drive it. And that's the problem that we have today, right? In all areas. You know, um, I posted something this morning on my drive back from Columbus today. And um, someone had said, uh, well, you know, Jack Posobiec vouched for Ali Akbar. Well, that tells you everything you need to know. These are the problems that we're having here. Why is it that you need someone to vouch? That's number one. And two, can't you use your own discernment? Huh? And this goes back to the, um, the adage that we have that you need to have endorsements. You need to be validated by someone. This is what weak people do. This is what people that aren't confident in who they are. Ah, Tom Johnson said you were great. Well, that's fantastic. But see, Ted Turner, when it was established, it was only the beginning of owning the media officially. See, propaganda has been around for a very, very long time, and it is quite unfortunate that all of you, well, you're all here for the same reason, and there was a reason that you're all here, specifically the Gen X, Generation X, because you saw what news looked like, and now you can see what propaganda is. You can actually make that distinguished, you know, comparison. Because the people before Gen X, the boomers, as they say, could not because they grew up in a time of war and propaganda was indeed necessary to recruit soldiers. So it is the Generation X that can actually see if their objective, both sides and both faces of the media. And what's unfortunate is, well, fortunate and unfortunate is that with this super highway of a communication, people have a, a, oh, a barrage of choices, right? So many choices. And they all choose the information that resonates with them. And that's the problem. We all like to hear things that make us feel good. We all like to, to hear things that maybe align with something we believe or maybe something we thought of because that makes us feel better. That We feel more validated and people turn off when they hear things they don't like. For example, today, uh, you know, I posted how DeSantis lied. He said that he was holding on to all the election data and you saw how the right went like, God, oh, DeSantis a proponent. It's like, no, in actual fact, that's not true. And I'm going to show it because someone came out. Oh, who are you quoting? Who are you quoting? I need proof. And it's like, all right, hold my boba tea because we're going to go through that today. And I'm going to show you how real news happens, not those pundits. Huh? See, because they get fed information. They are told to stand in line and they are told what to do. It's quite interesting. I love Sarah Carter. She is an incredible person. I've met her. Angry at her? Yes. She toes the line? Yes. But do I think she doesn't love her country? Fuck no. She loves her country. I like her too. 
And that's the way it is. Some people make concessions. I don't agree with it. I say that's weakness. Other people may say, oh, it's just tact. I don't do tact. We don't need tact in a time of war. But aside from that, I absolutely adore her because she does do thorough reports. Thorough reports. And I can tell you, having met her, having met her husband, I really like her. I do. Do I like the fact that she uses tact? Maybe not. And that's okay. That is way okay. But her report about them trafficking children for organs and other things, well, I told you that years ago. But obviously, I'm not considered a reliable source. (laughs) Brian Settler is. Uh, You know, uh, this is the problem that we have. We have lost the ability of discernment to trust our gut, to see where it stands, who has receipts and who does not. And this is why reporters uh, like Sarah Carter, who love their country, who know things are wrong, they won't go on a big platform because they honor the fact that they definitely need evidence and receipts. And sometimes people don't like to show those receipts right away. They need to ensure that it is legally done because they're on big channels. They have interest. They have investors, right? You know, this is the thing. They have people that advertise and we have to understand that. I understand it. Guys, I completely understand it. But this is why there are options like myself and other independent journalists that don't have those uh, lines that they have to toe, that don't have those... uh sponsors. Even Tucker. I mean, we all know who his dad is and I know how he feels about President Trump running in 2024, just like many other people uh, within Fox News that love the president but don't want him as president, right? They say it and that's their opinion because it's too upsetting. What President Trump has done is upset the status quo and I completely understand it. For people that have a problem with chaos, right? It's understandable. You know, you want to hate on them. Oh, I love it. And I love to troll them. And I always tell them, you know, it's more of a China-ish, right? When you do stuff like that, because the the taller and the, the more, you know, firm you stand on where your morals are, the better it is. You must stand for truth or you fall for anything. And, and that's not saying that they don't stand for truth. Please do not misconstrue it. But on top of that, remember, just like Maddo said, Anything on MSNBC is entertainment, and this is how she got away with defamation. So these big channels are indeed that entertainment. I mean, Disney, Walt Disney, hello. Do you think Walt Disney when you think of news? You see where I'm going with this. This is how you have that lack of um, connection, I would say. Anyway, regardless, right? I don't like people misconstruing my absolute statements um, as, oh, I throw the baby out with the bathwater. I do understand. I do have compassion and I do get where they're coming from, but I just don't agree with it. And that's okay. That doesn't mean their POS is, well, you know, they're not. Mm, uh, okay. In the time of war, I'm like, if we were on a battlefield with guns and you're playing tact, let's negotiate while bullets are coming at you. I'm going to call you POS and I'm going to leave you on the, on the wayside. Right? So this is how I kind of feel about it. If I put it that way, but it's not ill or with mal intention, right? Full of. 
So um, on the other hand, people like Brian Settler, I have no uh, <laughs> understanding because he's just doing his job. He's an entertainer and he's really salty and we should listen to his saltiness at how upset he is, probably because of some emails that were uncovered. And this should be quite fun. That was the idea. It was a great idea. It is a great idea. And I know many of you are just like Johnson. You're going to miss this show. I want to say thank you to the thousands and thousands and thousands of emails and tweets that I've been receiving this week. I'm going to share them with the staff because they are the ones that have made this possible. You know, the thing about TV is that it's ephemeral, right? It's fleeting. It evaporates up into the air and a lot of it is not even meant to be, a lot of it's not even meant to be remembered. But this program transcended that. It's a part of journalism school curriculum. Teachers across the country and in other countries outside the U.S., teachers use segments from this show all the time in classrooms, in, in lessons, lessons, guiding and teaching the next generation. Ah, guiding and teaching the next generation. Exactly. Brainwashing your children with propaganda. Thank you. You know, founding host Bernard Kalb and founding executive producer Rick Davis said this program was meant to be a critical lens on the media. Such a special phrase, a critical lens on the media. And this week, thanks to CNN management, we've been given the gift of signing off on our own terms and actually talking about the media industry. You know, this is a really, really unusual day. TV networks rarely have a show like this, a show all about the media. And networks, even more rarely, cancel a show but still let it have one more live episode. I don't know if I've ever seen this happen before, okay? So here we are, together, in a super strange situation. So let's talk about it, okay? The phenomenal Reliable Sources producing team has been working around the clock on this special hour ever since Thursday. No one from CNN management has reviewed my script ahead of time. They have no idea what I want to say. And as the control room very well knows, I typically go off script anyway. So I want to thank a few people and then tell you what's on my mind. First, I want to thank my wife. Uh, this is a selfie that she snapped on the very first day. The very first day I had the honor of posting this show. It was right before we were about to get married. Um, before all the kids, before all the craziness. But every Sunday I was here with you, my home team was working too. So thank you, Jamie. And, and to my kids, my amazing kids, you know, sometimes I see, it feels like the only time they ever really want to play with me at home is when I'm running out the door to work. <laughs> They're going to be in a surprise this week, right? Thank you to Jeff Zucker for believing in me, for having the back of this organization for so many years, for having my back through everything, even through the death threats. Thank you to Amy and Tellus for calling me that day and asking me to try out for reliable sources. Thank you to Andrew Morse for letting me expand the Sunday show into a newsletter and a podcast and more. And this might sound weird, but thank you to CNN's current boss, Chris Licht, for letting us say goodbye. Thank you to everyone at CNN Business for digital leadership. Thank you to my hero of an executive producer, Jonathan Auerbach, and the producing team that makes this possible. Jamie, Diane, Eden, April, I will do whatever I can to help you all in the future. Thank you to the technical staff, the control room geniuses, the editors, the floor directors, the PR people, the camera operators, the guest readers, the makeup artists. You are CNN's sources of strength, and we need strength. Some of you know I've been a media junkie for a long time. I was the kid who spent his days uh, building the school website and producing the school TV show, and deep down inside, I think I'm still that kid. I never thought I'd actually be on TV. I might have dreamed about it. I never thought it would happen. I just liked writing about TV. I know this is going to sound like BS, but I actually thought I didn't have enough hair to be on TV. I am just that kid who loves television and loves the internet. 
and thinks that these are incredibly powerful forces in our society and believes that we need to interrogate that power and face it head on and figure out how to make these tools work for us and not against us. That's what it's all about, right? That's what reliable sources have been about. It's documented and dissected the changing media world for 30 years. I mean, we're living through an era of dizzying change. We have supercomputers in our pocket. We are all members of the media now. That's probably the biggest change that's happened while this show was on the air. And by the way, that's why it's loony to say the media is the enemy of the people. The media is the people. People are flawed and opinionated and curious and hopeful and believing in accountability. And that's the watchword here. Accountability. So this show's going away, but there's going to be so many more. We need to have room for media criticism and debate and discussion, and we will. So much of the media ecosystem in 2022 is garbage, but so much of it is spectacular. The hard part sorting out the treasure from the trash. These are thorny, complicated things. I know I didn't, never had all the answers. I didn't even always have all the questions. But it was the gift of a lifetime to get to confront these issues on international television with the backing of CNN. Here's what I do know. I know it's not partisan to stand up for decency and democracy and dialogue. It's not partisan to stand up to demagogues. It's required. It's patriotic. We must make sure we don't give platforms to those who are lying to our faces. But we also must make sure we are representing the full spectrum of debate and representing Okay, so this is an audition for what's to come next, and you'll see. But what he said is, we do not give platform to people who lie to our faces. Key there. Now, while I feel for him, but what he said 2022 was, there's some amazing treasures and some trash. Well, you're being thrown out, so... ...what's going on in this country and in this world. That's why CNN needs to be strong. That's why I believe CNN will always be strong. You, you viewers at home, it's on you. CNN must remain strong. I know the 4,500 staffers are going to do their part to make it stronger than ever. But it's going to be on you to hold CNN accountable. And not just CNN. You got to hold your local paper accountable. You got to hold your local digital outlet accountable. It's on all of us. We are all members of the media, all helping to make it better. That's what I believe can't wait to be watching CNN, seeing what happens in the future. I'm going to be rooting for it. I want CNN to be strong. I believe America needs CNN to be strong. I believe the free world needs CNN to be strong. And then it will continue to be because all of us are going to help make that happen. Yeah, I don't think so. There goes CNN. They're broke as well, you know. So there's that media, how important media is. And some people just love the limelight. They just can't be away from it. They need the limelight so much that they'll commit perjury. So (laughs) how do you talk about this in a nice way? Well, that'll be the final segment of the show. In the meantime, let's watch the full trailer of My Son Hunter. And if anybody has communications with Robert Davi, let's pray that the hard work I did with the prostitutes works. Because when his device was left at a crack house, one of my friends who was a very reliable source told me it was there. I almost, I actually said it and said, no, 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 don't do it. But you know, it's always our first instinct when we're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this is it. I actually almost attempted to tell her to clone the device, which is illegal. I said, never mind. Can you at least get me a list? of all the usual prostitutes he has. And that's where I started to go to work. 
asking them to tell him, you do everything. You are amazing. You are the one fueling them all and they're pissing all over you. Just do it. And he and Ashley had that conversation too. And what's interesting is, I think I saw a glimpse of that. So I don't know if they inserted my really hard work that no one, you know, knew about. But the only way to bring truth out into light. You've got to do it in the right way. And sometimes, well, most of the time, it has to be done from the person themselves. And so here we go with this, uh, you know, let's, I think he told the story, right? Because I think I see an interaction that looks like Ashley and that's the exact conversation they had. So it's quite incredible. I've told this story before. So let's see. Let's see. I'm actually excited because this is a tale that should be said. It's a tale of a man that was used from a very young age and, you know, and a family, a family uh, of children that have been through whatever. Now, this in no way excuses their behavior. This in no way excuses, um, uh, you know, the, the crimes that were committed, But one has to understand, it is the most painful thing for a child um, to go through and to be then used by their own father because their pride and joy, air quote, died. So let's get going with this uh, documentary, well, docu-film. So I'll tell you what's going down. You know who I am. They told me you were VIP. All connected to the government. What kind of a moron forgets to pick up his laptop at a repair shop? You're a Biden. Act like one. Everything he built in life, I just ruined it all. I want to know everything that's on that laptop that can ruin my erection. My friends, it's time to party! I'm an artist. Tell me how I can help you. Well, I don't deserve help. Oh, I'm so sorry. I've been through worse. The smartest man I know, thanks, Dad. I just wish I could speak some sense to you. I'll never forget Corey Bob. He was a bad dude. No joke. Dad, we're talking about suffering. I can't seem to find anything but positive stuff on the Bidens. Who's the point then for the foreign policy in the Obama regime? Joe Biden. So it looks like you need a billion dollars. So the obvious next question is, where's Hunter? I can remember getting paid some money, but I can't remember what for. Well, my dad says we never discuss my businesses, period. Or my cut. What's happening in there? Joe's in on it. Forty dollar. <laughs> you had everything, Hunter, and you threw it all away. You hope the laptop will take down everybody with you. Get out! China's not our enemy. They're not bad folks, folks. I love my dad, and I just want to make him proud. I am the one who brings in all the deals. I am the one. The boy.
Oh, I really like the narrator. She's awesome. So, um, you know, that is an incredible uh, kind of depiction. Uh, you know, it shows the MI6, you know, with the British artist in England coming in. Uh, you know, I tried to kind of get in on her, but MI6 is really hard, especially when you're not, you know, in the game anymore. Um, befriending someone like that in Boston was really hard and it didn't happen. Um, so that was a missed opportunity. But it looks fantastic because they've pieced the story together so incredibly. So Robert, that was incredible. I love the trailer. I'm really hoping you piped in, you know, <laughs> the round lady paying <laughs> prostitutes to try to convince them to, you know, get this done. But, you know, when you see things that are corrupt, the only thing you can do is pray that they come out at some point. That's the only thing you can do. And when they do, no, especially in the form of affidavits, then you go ham on that. So let's take a little short intermission and then we go ham on President Trump's uh, search warrant affidavit that's riddled with perjury. See you all in just a few minutes because camouflage, camouflage, camouflage. Listen to the words because not everything is what it seems. <laughs> Camouflage, camouflage, camouflage. Ah, that's usually how you can hide yourself in plain sight and or just mask. I don't know. And in this case, it was a ghost that could pick up a palm tree and swap people. Even alive, that would be kind of difficult. So let's talk about... <laughs> How we let our enemies pull their own pants down. I completely disagree with Brian Sentler. You should always give people a platform because they always tell you who they are. And the more you try to silence them or the more you put them in a box, the louder they get. Now, what kind of loudness do you get? Do you get truth or lies? That's a good question. Very good question. Well, let's see about truth and lies. We're going to go through this crazy affidavit huh, that makes zero sense, but I'm going to walk you through because believe it or not, I was present for most of this and this is where it gets fun. So this is an affidavit filed by someone after the raid claiming that they have knowledge and I'll read it to you. I, Patrick Bruce Berge, hereby declare. So he's already you know, I'm telling you there's perjury. So this is good. Legal states what he says. So he says the facts stated herein are based on my personal knowledge, documented evidence, and believe as a fact witness and guest of Patrick Byrne, Michael Flynn, Sidney Powell, and others at Trump at the Trump International DC, the Willard Intercontinental, Weston in Virginia, and others from November 15, 2020, to honor about January 7. 2021, where I was a guest under an unsigned or dated non-disclosure agreement with Rudy Giuliani, which I do not recognize. My 
dialogue and evidence were documented and recorded in real time as their guest and as a whistleblower and were published in my last book. Here we go. So this is what it comes down to his book. But first, number one, he was not a guest of Patrick Byrne. He was not a guest of General Michael Flynn. He was not a guest of Sidney Powell. Unfortunately, he was a guest of mine, Millie's, and Gavin's. And we only brought him down to meet with us. That was it. Nobody else guested him. Any access he had was either through me or Millie. That's it. So all of these are lies. Actually, in my first meeting with um, Mayor Rudy Giuliani on January 7th, 2021, I brought him and I provided his key tam. And that was the end of it. He shouldn't have been there any longer. I don't know who invited him. It could have been Millie, but it definitely wasn't me. And it definitely wasn't the mayor because he wasn't useful in anything that he was doing. So right here, this is a lie. Oh my gosh. Can I not share the screen? My apologies. Let me do that again. Let's see. It won't let me. So we got to do it another way. Give me a second, guys. Okay. They didn't let me do it, so I have to do it again. And then we'll get to other lies about Ron DeSantis, of course, okay? That's important. Because <laughs> here, today, we're dispelling some serious BS. Serious BS. Like, what is going on here, guys? It's like super BS. Hold on. Let me pull this up. So I'm just doing the work for a lot of other people that are sitting there thinking that this is important. And, you know, perjury is a big deal, especially when it comes to federal cases against a former president. This is how you bury yourself. So right off the get go, this I will highlight everything that is a lie. Personal knowledge, fact witness and guest of these people is wrong. So this, he was never a guest. <laughs> and uh, this, I have no idea what he's talking about. And obviously, we know that um, this is the whole point. He wants to sell his book. So here's where he goes on to say, let me just make sure that it's being shared. Hold on. It's not. There we go. Now we can see it. Let's go back. So now that it's showing, here we go. So all of these are a lie, 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 lie. Next, he was actually my guest and Millie Weaver's guest. None of them. So there goes that. On August 18, 2022, he filed a sworn affidavit in sealed search. He said, um, Patrick Byrne filed it where he asserts claims based on his conversation of December 18, 2020, meeting President Trump. Correct. It has been widely reported that staffer, da-da-da-da-da, assisted a group in White House. Garrett was also working with Rudy Giuliani on Hunter Biden's laptop. That is actually false. Hold on. This is false, right? That's false. He wasn't working with him. So um, that's false. I met with Rudy and Tori um, Maris at Rudy's residence. It's Mayor Giuliani, please. Um, in New York a few months later. Oops, let me undo that. 
uh, around May 2021 to authenticate documents containing an image hard drive provided by Rudy. That's also false. So, and it wasn't to authenticate documents. I actually asked him to pull the IP addresses to authenticate location, which he never did because he doesn't have the capabilities. He's been out of the IC group for a very long time and his skills are so remedial. I'm pretty sure your average 10 year old can do the networking. He can now, but obviously I do know that he has enough knowledge uh, to be able to reconstruct PCAPs with the technology that we had a decade ago. <coughs> Now, this is also a lie. Phoebe has never been in the room with Hunter Biden's laptop and Bergie. And there are people to attest to that. Uh, why? I don't even leave my laptop with other people that I don't know. In a restaurant filled with people, I say, I am leaving you all here while I go to the bathroom. Watch this. My child has never seen it. So that's another lie. And uh, so he just threw that in there, throwing in a minor as if, you know, he she was there was she there yeah she was probably in the house probably in another room probably whatever but never in the room with the laptop at the same time so that's a lie i uh, i left a few days later after being asked by tori while rudy's in rudy's hotel room that's also a lie because i paid for it i paid for it while in rudy's hotel room to lie what that's a lie too i refused and recorded a video that's a lie too because the marriott hotel videos of him crying about his girlfriend are there so this is all based on lies and the fbi already has that shit guys let me tell you something the mayor has been under surveillance by the fbi after they raided him Every single interaction he's had with me has been on record. Any single interaction he's had with me and anything that I have done has been under scrutiny and recorded. Um, so all of this, they already know is a lie, <laughs> but you know, he just wants to get his foot in the door. And here's the thing. He knows that he's not mentally stable. Right. And he knows that he would get away with it. But he says a largely public fear of retaliation that later occurred with Lynn Wood. Look at this. How is this even taken seriously? Look at this tactical and coordinated attack on me by Patrick Byrne, Millie Weaver to discredit and destroy my company. What company? He was the one that had this Ukrainian looking chick who was, and I quote, his business partner, oh, his CEO of his company that he doesn't have. So all of these in highlight are a complete lie. I guess the believe I have to leave open because he can believe anything. Now, here's another lie. I met Garrett Ziegler for the, that's a lie. Do you know why? Because that's not when he met Garrett Ziegler. <laughs> it was actually January 7th. Right. And I actually was talking with Garrett and Patrick was there. So that's a lie. Then also a lie is Rudy, Patrick Byrne, Millie and Gavin and Phil Waldron. That's also a lie. Let me tell you why. Patrick Byrne had never had a meeting with Rudy Giuliani ever, except for the one in D.C. In fact, the only meeting that Patrick Byrne had with Mayor Rudy Giuliani was one that I facilitated in the summer. So this is also a lie. And what he's referring to, to having seen Phil Waldron, he did. I was present for that. I actually took him to a meeting. And the minute I saw two White House officials in that meeting that I did not trust, that I already knew through communications, were working against the president and had full knowledge of J6, I decided not to speak when the colonel looked at me to speak. 
instead, I said, here he is. Because I knew the minute Patrick Berge would open his mouth, everyone would leave. And that's exactly what happened. That's what I did. I am very smart. I may come off a little bit erratic. I cuss a little, right? But I'm actually very smart. And sometimes my erratic-ish looking thing is whatever. So I can attest to the fact that Mike actually took me upstairs to the room to meet with these people. Bergy followed me. He had no business being there. But I thought that was okay, whatever. Bergy came along and the colonel saw me, said nothing. They completed, but I saw two individuals there. One of them was actually responsible for the delay in filing by Sidney Powell. And I have been, oh, you shouldn't use email, E. Pauline. But anyway, so once I saw that, I didn't want to speak. So there was one chair and I said, oh, you're hurting. Why don't you have a seat? I can stand. So I stood behind him and was like, no, I'm not speaking. Have him. He started talking and people were getting up as he started to feel, I'm a operation da 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 da. He was acting like, look how important I am. Everybody got up and left. He says that he walked in when Patrick Byrne was leaving and visibly upset following the meeting with Rudy and Garrett. Uh, see, that's not true because Patrick Byrne did not meet with Rudy, um, from what I recall, ever um, until I had them meet because that's the way it was. So I don't know what he's referring to. Maybe he's just making it up or confusing things because, you know, he does do a lot of drugs and he's under a lot of stress. And how does he say it? He had a surgery that makes him think funny. So he exchanged information with Garage, which he did in front of me on January 7th. Okay. And I did not hear him say anything like that. Um, anything like that. I didn't hear anything like that. I do not recall them having more than uh, Garrett giving him his card because I was there. I had, I exchanged conversation with Garrett. We had a conversation. Bergy kind of interjected to say, well, I'm, you know, the way he always does. Um, that's why he would tag along because he was like, Tori knows people. I'm just going to go there. And he was turning the corner and then he started to say things and he was like, all right, all right, we could do this. I let's get him, whatever. And that's it. So that could be what he's referring to, but they didn't have a long conversation. And I don't think uh, Garrett and I spoke about the concerns that I had about Bergy. It says here that on November 30th, Millie Weaver, a contract journalist for no, 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 a common law husband, <laughs> Um, uh, did a report, will they steal the election? It was later reported by Jordan Green of Raw Story that Patrick Byrne and Joshua Merritt were also involved in the investigation of the same Kentucky election scandal. Well, we don't know that because that's not something Millie, I, or Gavin were aware of. So what is he trying to do here? String things along? Is this an affidavit or an opinion? See, because this looks like he's opining. So in a later video produced in January of 2022, on or around the time uh, and location, Patrick Byrne mentions in his affidavit before this court that Millie, Tory, Patrick Byrne, and Rudy all met in Miami. See, that's wrong too. Maybe Patrick Byrne made a mistake, but it wasn't in Miami. Um, and no, they did not meet with a group of Tory Says followers. That's also a lie. So this is the actual meeting that Patrick Byrne and Rudy Giuliani met for the first time outside of the White House. So this is, you know, whatever. Now, I don't know what um, Patrick Byrne attested to, right? I don't. But I was present when they were talking. I didn't hear that.
Now I would, and I would attest to that under oath that I did not hear that. I did not hear that he rescinded anything personally. I did not hear that because I was present during that meeting. So again, he didn't meet with any followers. <laughs> That's so dumb. And this was a closed meeting uh, where the mayor and Patrick Byrne had a conversation. They kind of talked about how Patrick Byrne called him a drunk and he apologized. It was a stressful time and the interaction was quite pleasant. And we sat down and had very pleasant conversations of what's going forward and what Patrick Byrne is working on. And that's it. And I was just present for it, smoking cigarettes, basically. Uh, Millie and um, Gavin and um, uh, the three other people that were there that were not where he says followers, right? Um, actually, attorneys, um, you know, were not part of the conversation, right? Not part of the conversation. And we were all by ourselves. So it was uh, myself um, and uh, Rudy's family member, Dr. Maria Ryan, uh, Patrick Byrne, and that's it. So this is truth. So this is, you know, I can't attest to this. If this is something that Patrick Byrne attested to, well, I can't attest to that, but it wasn't in Miami. It was in West Palm Beach. So that doesn't make sense. So then it says at the same time, Patrick Byrne, Rudy, Millie Weaver again, met under, described by Byrne in the affidavit, I was attacked online by my phone by multiple threats from Tory Says followers that had been totally fabricated about me and was told to them by Millie Gavin and Tory. Patrick Byrne did an interview with Tory where they attacked me to discredit me personal harm by our followers. The attacks were, I had met Patrick Byrne and Torin, the Vinoy Hotel in St. Petersburg, where I was made aware during our conversation while smoking. I wasn't smoking marijuana. He was with Patrick. I didn't smoke marijuana that day because I was driving and I was on vacation with my kids. So that's false because I passed it. And, um, on the porch of his hotel room. Uh, actually, no, it was my hotel room, right? Uh, Patrick was staying at that hotel too. And a plot, and he said, well, smoke on the porch of his hotel room, of a plot against General Flynn. Just, I, this is false. I don't, I don't remember any of that. I don't remember any of that. I don't remember any of that. I know that Patrick was thirsty. He was telling me how he needed a lawyer. He was telling him how he needed help. He was telling him all these things. And this is at a time where I was not friends at all with Patrick Berge after he tried to get a Ukrainian asset um, involved in the Hunter Biden stuff, right? And you all know that that went down live. Uh, Millie and Gavin were very aware of it too. Uh, so this is all fabrication. This is complete lies. I don't know what conversation Patrick and or um, uh, Patrick Byrne, oh um, yeah, uh, and Patrick Byrne may have had, um, but wait, did I have the hotel room in that one or was I at another hotel? Anyway, we ate the, the hotel. I have to remember. I don't remember. So, but I do know that it was not Patrick's room. I think it was my room that I had booked, but I didn't stay there that evening. I'm sure of that because sometimes I have to book two rooms so that way nobody knows where I'm staying. Um, even if I give an assumed name, people tend to find where I am. So I didn't stay at that room, but yes, that room was under my name. That's correct. So anyway, moving forward, right? Um, I don't know if they had a conversation when I went to the bathroom or anything like that, but I can tell you I never heard anything of that case. It was just him begging for stuff. And Patrick didn't really 
really have much tolerance for Bergie. I did this as a favor to him in late 2021 because he was desperate and he was screaming a lot because, you know, I wouldn't promote his book. So uh, that's when he asked him to answer questions. Apparently, I don't know. And then he says, uh, attempted to throw a wrench, uh, answer several questions, given to General Flynn and Trump, list of five questions. See, I don't know this, but Patrick Byrne did respond and he's apologized for the way he did it. He told me that um, because he responded in a time that he didn't. And I think he actually addressed that live on my show um, because a lot of us misspeak sometimes. You know, Seth Keschel apologized and I am totally fine with that. I mean, this man was going through a lot with his marriage, you know, and it wasn't right. And I don't have hard feelings. We all are in a bad place at some point and we just have to accept that sometimes people in weak times say things that they shouldn't say. Patrick apologized. I think he did it on air. So that isn't, it's not shockingly honest. He actually stated that he made a mistake um, and he misspoke on the way he was going to say things. But anyway, it's somewhere on one of my podcasts, but you know, I digress. So then he says he was invited to DC by Millie Weaver and Gavin Wentz around November 10th, 2020. Actually, I was the one that called him because I wanted him to come because we needed a PCAP expert. And even though he's a dinosaur, the modems and the routers that they were using were dinosaur modems and routers. And I knew that he'd have the capabilities. And Millie, Gavin, and Tori, so see, this is truthful, right? Because now he's saying we invited him. The mayor, Byrne, and Powell did not invite him. He was not their guest. So he, Tory Maris had arrived before me and were being put up by Patrick. Actually, no. I paid for my own hotel room, right? I paid for my own hotel room. I stayed at the Trump one day, which was the day that we were sequestering things, because my room was compromised until I got another hotel room. So that's a lie, too. So let's just highlight the lie, which is being put up, you know, okay, um, with the main focus being told to me, put on foreign influence, allow them to use the Insurrection Act. And see, I don't know about this. So I'm going to say that's a lie because that wasn't it. So these are the questions that you all heard Patrick Byrne respond and say, you know, these were wrong, you know. Etc. 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 God, this guy is so desperate. So, in his affidavit before the court, he discusses a conversation with former Mayor, Mayor Rudy Giuliani that took place in January 2022 in Miami. See, it's not in Miami, so that's false. That's a bad recollection of Patrick Byrne if he said that because it wasn't Miami, and he claims that it was the first time he was made aware. See, I didn't hear that, so I de- declined to comment because it's not something I said. But I was there, and I didn't hear that. Um, and Patrick Byrne and Gary the Wilhurt—that's wrong. From what I know, I know when he met Garrett, um, and. This defies logic based on how upset Patrick was when I saw him leaving the Willard meeting. Yeah, I don't think I can agree with that. Personal attacks. Mm, I don't know, man, because you're lying. Uh, let's see. Previous to get me to lie. Who said that? Uh, get me to lie that followed. Refuses to go along with to get me to lie that followed their journey. Who, who refused? January 2022, no one was talking to Patrick Berkey. So I don't understand what he just put in here. 
we all know that none of us have been talking to Patrick Berge. So who would ask him to lie? I definitely know the mayor has not been in any contact with Patrick Berge, and I'm pretty sure Patrick Byrne hasn't either. So I'm not understanding who asked him to lie. You weren't even invited, dude, by any of them. And if anything, I'm ashamed that I brought you along. But you know, you keep your enemies very close, especially the ones that are conspiring to take out a duly elected president. So here we have, um, told by President Trump as described, considered as highly questionable. Wow. So he's actually commenting on Mayor Giuliani. So if anything, this guy should be arrested for obstruction of justice by filing such false information. This is the problem today. I'm a veteran, so I'm important, dude. General Milley's serving as a general, and he's an ass. Mad Dog Mattis betrayed, right? How many of these retired people or veterans or active duty have been betraying the nation? And you were a damn PFC, so you're credible? Get out of here. I don't even want to hear it. Get out of here. That sounds not right. <laughs> I'm just saying. So, um... That's that. This is perjury in a nutshell. Um, and that's how a PFC gets arrested for obstruction of justice. Because all of that is inaccurate. And all of that is a lie. And right before we get into DeSantis's bullshit, let's have this nice intermission at the tip of my tongue. Well, I'm an animal, something like a cannibal, a very flammable and partially programmable, soon to easable to use. Now I wear it myself. Well, let's stick with this. Tell me, can you stick with this? I'm on the brink of this, and tell me what you think of this. I'm in the movie god. How crazy is that? That's the new single song by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Now let's get into some other documents that are quite fascinating. Let's talk about Ron DeSantis. You know how everyone said, yeah, he like did this. And I was like, whoa, that's so awesome. I was actually excited. And then I looked into it and I was like, damn, how do I tell everyone? Well, I got to wait until there's evidence. So let's show you this evidence. So yeah, he did request, he did request hmm, for the election data to be held, but it's highly specific. In fact, the quote that some people were upset, I said, because it's ruining the reality that they have a hero, he should stay put as governor if he wants to govern anything. Uh, you know, they didn't like the quote. Who are you quoting? Who do you think you are quoting them? Like, that's just a quote. Who's she quoting? <laughs> Since I'm an oppressed person because I'm fat and I'm marginalized. <laughs> uh, hold my boba team. 
found out yesterday that DeSantis' procurement from the last Thursday preserving all of 2020's ballot information was bullshit. He's only requesting the supervisors preserve some of the ballot information from 2020 to prosecute the small number of criminal voters. Oh, that's right. Sorry, you're so bad. You keep calling everyone out. Well, somebody's got to do it. And if I've got to wear the hat of Voldemort, I'm more than happy. Because in the end, you all look like tools. And well, someone's telling the truth and someone's being told what to say. There's a big difference on that. So let's get to it. Here's a letter uh, that um, <laughs> from uh, Lake County. Am I, am, am I right? Lake County. Uh, let's take a look. Lake County. To the supervisor of elections, that Governor DeSantis sent, dear Supervisor Hayes, I write to bring to your attention to a matter of great public importance. Through no fault of your own, records demonstrate that the convicted felons listed in the attached exhibit were registered to vote and voted in your county during the 2020 general election. See Exhibit A. The convicted felons listed in Exhibit A fall into one of three categories, convicted murderers, convicted sex offenders, and felons who were serving a probationary sentence at the time of casting a ballot. Records also demonstrate that certain voters in your county, see Exhibit B, may have cast more than one ballot during the 2020 general election. This information was obtained pursuant to Section blah, 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 Florida statutes, blah, blah, in corroboration with 25 other states. Depending on the facts and circumstances of each case, the individuals in Exhibits A and B may have committed criminal violations of the Florida Elections Code. To ensure the integrity of any investigation involving the foregoing matters, it is imperative to preserve the physical voting record of these individuals, including registration, applications, original... Come on, guys. Can you see that? Can you see that? So there you go. Truth and fiction. So you have to ask yourself all these nice memers that are all... (laughs) Where's Roger Stone to tell us how Ron DeSantis is saving America? I'd like to hear that. See, the devil is indeed in the details here. And see, while people love to hate me, like I said, I'm more than happy that you hate me now, but you will have to start loving me later because that's the way it is. In the end, you're only going to love truth no matter how much it hurts. And, you know, while a lot of people love that about Patrick Berkey, I only say the truth and I don't care if people are offended. Well, he wasn't really speaking truth, now, was he? Well, partially sometimes. But I thought I would bring that up just to put it out because unfortunately, a lot of people talk to me and say things, well, you can't just say that. Yeah, I can. There's more evidence. You know, this precinct strategy, uh, Patrick Byrne was very upset when I said it's failing and it's going to fail. And he's like, you can't say that ultimately because it's, no, it is. It is. And I'll tell you why. Because the corrupt fourth unelected branch of government is way smarter than you. Every single one of us. And they monitor everything. And they will have a fallback plan for everything. And today, out of the blue, accidentally, during a conversation with someone that I admire like no other, oh, you won't believe what I got in the mail today. That's going to be a topic of my next show. So... That's all, folks, for today, because I'm quite busy. I'd love to stay a little bit longer, but I can't. I really have to actually try to save my country, you know, because there's a lot of people missing in action.
next time someone tells you that they know what's really going on, ask them, do you? 